Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, just to clue you in a little bit on our plan for the rest of the morning, uh, we're going to keep the message on the short side today. And some of you are saying, Happy New Year. <laughs> but uh, we're doing that on purpose because we'd like to save a little bit of time at the end of the service for some testimonies. Um, ways, and you can begin reflecting on this right now. In what ways has God shown himself faithful to you in the year gone by? And in what ways are you trusting him for his faithfulness in the coming year? You don't have to answer both of those. You can do one or the other. So ways you've seen God being faithful to you in the year gone by and ways you're trusting in his faithfulness for the year ahead. How many of you are glad to have 2022 in your rearview mirror? <laughs> wow, look at that. So many of us. Uh, maybe you can still feel the stress of the past year or two or three in your neck and your shoulders, and you find yourself saying, I don't want to have to go through another year like 2022 or 2022, 21, 20. You know, the whole three-year sequence there was rough. I need a break. Uh, it'd be nice to have a, an easy year for a change. It may be that as you look back on 2022, the, the sources of stress come flooding back to you. Maybe you had a loved one who received a difficult diagnosis that led to multiple doctor visits and perhaps even operations and chemotherapy and radiation or dialysis, any number of things. Uh, someone else may have had to deal with the pain of addiction, whether your own or, or that of someone you love. Uh, some of us have had to deal with a loss in the last year, perhaps the loss of a beloved family member or two or three. Uh, maybe it was the loss of a job or the end of a marriage. Some of us were stressed out not knowing to do with kids who had gotten into trouble, or maybe we were experiencing other trouble at home or at work. Maybe 2022 had you dealing with financial setbacks. I mean, who didn't have financial setbacks in this last year with inflation the way it was, and some of us watched our retirement savings dwindle at a very inopportune time, I might add. <laughs> it may be that uh, something happened right here at church and you were hurt by somebody you thought loved you. Life can be tough. Some years are tougher than others. And so in some ways, I think a lot of us are happy to be looking at 2022 in the rearview mirror. But the question is, how do we know that 2023 will be any better? I mean, what if the new year proves to be as challenging or even more challenging than the years just gone by? I mean, we face a future that's very uncertain. And so next year, this time, someone of us may not be here, but may have gone home to be with the Lord. 
Um, some of us will face, face health crises, and others will face the loss of a job or the loss of a marriage or financial hardships. We all want to know what the new year holds. As somebody has said, we're all fascinated with the future because it's where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. Uh, but the point is that maybe it's a good thing that we don't know what's necessarily ahead in the coming year. Because, um, after all, if we knew it was coming, we just might obsess on it and, and worry ourselves to death, right? So, what's going to help us, not if we face challenges, but when we face the challenges of the year ahead... And it's that very question that has often drawn me to Psalm 31 at the end of one year and the beginning of a new one. It's in this great psalm that David writes some profoundly comforting words. He says, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. These words come in the middle of a psalm where David finds himself in a threatening predicament. He doesn't know what the future holds for him. He doesn't know how it will all turn out. People are out to get him to destroy him. His friends have all deserted him. At one point, he even wonders if God himself has forsaken him. This psalm is a very honest account of a man wrestling with a very uncertain future. We see David processing what's going on in his life and, and doing so kind of step by step in a way that enables him to come to terms with a situation to find that which gives him peace and strength to move on. There, there are six basic movements to this psalm. Each one of us kind of advances us along in David's journey. It helps us take another step. And it's all of those steps together that lead to one very important application for us. Now, in the first stanza of the psalm, David's basic uh, message to us is, look, when life gets really scary, take refuge in the Lord. Take refuge in the Lord. Look at verses 1 through 5 where he says, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me. O oh Lord, the God of truth. When life gets really scary, David says, turn to him, run to him. He talks about his situation here. He talks about how he's being brought to shame. He's needing rescue, he says in verse two. People have set a trap for him, he says in verse four. And, and why does he turn to the Lord? Because he sees the Lord as his refuge in verse one, his rock of refuge in verse two. His rock and his fortress in verse 3. Again, his refuge in verse 4. And then in verse 5, he talks about committing himself into the hands of a mighty God. Why is he so ready to trust in the Lord this way? Because he knows the Lord to be righteous. The Lord always is concerned to set right what men have made wrong. And not only that, but he has a reputation to protect. In verse 3, he says... Um, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. He's saying, look, if it doesn't turn out well for me, God, it's not going to look good for you. After all, I'm a man after your own heart. And if, if I come to a terrible end, people are going to say, well, that, that Lord, he didn't take very good care of David, did he? He must not be much of a God. He says, for your sake, for your sake of your name, lead and guide me. Show me the way through this mess I'm in. 
for you are the God of truth, he says in verse 5. Where do you turn when life throws its worst at you? I love a story that Kay Arthur tells about a guy that she knew who was a hunter. He was a deer hunter, and he had had a pretty unsuccessful day deer hunting. He was walking back to his camp at the end of a long day, holding his rifle, and walking up this path that was largely overgrown with brush. And he heard a a thrashing around in the brush up ahead of him, and out from the brush popped a little cottontail rabbit that came running straight up the path right at him and then plopped itself down at the hunter's feet. And the hunter's looking at this rabbit because this is the most unusual behavior that he's ever seen from a rabbit before. And, and he began talking to the rabbit saying, what's, what's up, little fellow? What? Why, why are you sitting here at my feet? And then he heard another thrashing around in the brush about 20 yards ahead and out popped a weasel. And the weasel landed in the path, eyes glowing red, panting. And the hunter realized that he had just stepped into the middle of a life and death drama here. That this rabbit was about to be that weasel's dinner. Except for the fact that he had taken refuge at the feet of this hunter. Well, the hunter said, well, I'll take care of this problem for you, little guy. And he raised his rifle and he shot in the ground right below the weasel's feet and the weasel jumped like three feet in the air and tore off into the brush the hunter said to the rabbit well I guess you're safe for another day little guy and the rabbit jumped off into the brush again now here's how Kay Arthur applies it she says where beloved do you turn in the time of need where do you run when the predators of trouble worry and fear pursue you Where do you hide when your past pursues you like a relentless wolf seeking your destruction? Where do you seek protection when the weasels of temptation, corruption, and evil threaten to overtake you? Where do you turn when your energy is spent, when weakness saps you and you feel like you can't run away any longer? Turn to your protector, the one who stands with arms open wide waiting for you to come and huddle in the security of all he is. When life gets really scary, David says, I'm going to take refuge in the Lord. Why? Because in the second stanza of our psalm, he tells us others aren't to be trusted. You just can't trust others. He says in verse 6, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. David can't understand why you would trust in anyone but the Lord in this kind of a situation. Why, Why would you put your trust in Worthless idols made of stone and wood. They can't help you. I'm going to trust in the Lord. He knows from personal experience that the Lord can be trusted. He says in verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. David has previous experience with the Lord. He's been in tight spots before. And he's seen how the Lord has come through for him in those other situations. And he draws strength from that. I think a lot of us can say the same thing, can't we? When we face the next big thing in life that threatens us, we need to look back on all those other ways that God has been so faithful to us down through the years and, and, and lay that experience on top of the new experience and draw strength from the fact that we can take refuge in the Lord when others can't be trusted. In the third stanza of this psalm, 
David goes on to say, look, when life throws its worst at you, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to him. Let him know just how bad it is. And that's what David does next as he processes his way through the situation he's in. <clears throat> he expresses his, his confidence in the Lord as his refuge. He, he, he says, I'm not going to trust in anyone else. And I'm going to cry out to the Lord and tell him just what I'm going through. He says, be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress. Uh, David's confidence momentarily ebbs away in a flood of tears here. My eyes grow weary with sorrow and my soul and my body with grief. My soul is consumed by anguish and my ears by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. He, he acknowledges how this whole situation has so deeply affected him, even on a physical level where it's left him weary and sapped of strength. Everybody is deserting him on top of it all. He says in verse 11, because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I, I'm coming walking up the street and they go to the other side. They steer way clear of me. They see me as bad news. I'm forgotten by them as though I were dead. I become like broken pottery. Like that pot that, that has broken in the house and isn't able to be fixed anymore. You, you take the pieces of that pot and you throw them on the town dump and you forget about it. David says, that's how I feel. I've been forsaken by my friends. Not only have I been forsaken, but they're actually death plots against me, he says in verse 13. For I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. That's how bad it is. Have you ever dared to be that honest with God? When you're going through a really difficult situation, and you might think, oh, I, I, I can't be that honest with God. I can't bear my soul that way. Why not? David does. He was a man after God's own heart. When he was going through terrible stuff, he didn't, he didn't hold back. He told God just how bad it was. When life throws its worst at you, cry out to the Lord. But then, and here's the fourth step David takes in processing his situation, then pray for deliverance. Acknowledge how bad it is. Tell him, tell him, honestly, this is how bad it has gotten, Lord. My life stinks, but... And verse 14 is the real turning point here. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. One thing about David is that though he is brutally honest with the Lord, he never wallows in his, in his misery for very long. There's almost always in his Psalms this turning point where he expresses again his trust in the Lord. I say you are my God. Verse 15, my times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. David is quick to reaffirm his trust in the Lord. He seems to have understood what F.B. Meyer was talking about when he said, unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God, but faith puts God between us and our circumstances. He prays for deliverance. He trusts God to, to see him through this situation he's in. In verse 15, he says, deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. He prays for deliverance. And not only does he pray for his own deliverance, but he prays that those who afflict him would be brought to justice. 
In verse 17, he says, but let the wicked be put to shame and let lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced for with pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against the righteous. When life gets really scary, take refuge in the Lord. Others aren't to be trusted. When life throws its worst at you, cry out to him. Then pray for deliverance. And then, here's step five in David's processing of his life situation here. Step five is praise him in advance for what he will do. Praise him in advance for what he will do. This is a real expression of faith on David's part. Before his situation ever gets resolved, before he can even see how it's going to turn out, he praises God and says, I I know that you're going to do this, Lord. I trust you to do this for me. He says, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. He says, it's like the Lord stores up goodness for his children to draw upon whenever they're in need. And near him all will be kept safe, verse 20. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, he says. For he showed his wonderful love to me. David is encouraged to trust in the Lord in this situation, again, by what he has seen God do in the past. Praise be to the Lord, for he has shown his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. I mean, worse situations than this, David says. I was once in a city that was surrounded by my enemies who were, who were trying to get to me. On that occasion, he says in verse 22, in my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. David said, I made the mistake of doubting you, God, but I will never make that mistake again because you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. David says, I think of all those other times when God had come through for me and I lay that experience over top of this situation. I praise him in advance for what he will do in this situation. Isn't that his promise to you as a believer in Jesus? And we know that in all things, God works for what? The good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. If God would already go to the the extent of doing the hardest thing of all, giving his son to die on the cross for our sins, how can we not also trust him to do whatever else we need? Praise him in advance for what he will do. And so David has taken us kind of on this journey, step by step. Life is really scary. I'm going to take refuge in the Lord. Why? Because others can't be trusted. When life throws its worst at me, I'm going to cry out to him and tell him just how bad it is. And then I'm going to ask him for deliverance. Praise him in advance for what he will do. And now we come to the bottom line of the whole thing. Where David now turns to us. This is his instruction to us as a congregation where he basically says, don't ever lose faith in him. Don't ever lose faith in him. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Never let your trials diminish your love for the Lord. You can always count on him. And don't ever give up on him. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord, you who wait 
on the Lord. I love the story about a dad who was swimming in the ocean with his two children, a boy seven and a girl 11. And they got caught in a rip current. We're being pulled farther and farther from the beach. And the dad was starting to kind of panic a little bit because he knew he couldn't get both of these children back to the shore into safety at the same time. And so he decided he was going to help the seven-year-old boy first since he was the weaker of the two swimmers. And he turned to his 11-year-old daughter and he said, uh, Honey, I taught you how to, swim, uh, to, to float on your back, right? And she said, Yeah. He said, that's what I want you to do right now. I want you to float on your back. Just relax, float on your back. I'm going to take your brother back to the beach, and then I'll come back and get you. You can float on your back all day long, and I'll come and get you. And she said, okay, Daddy. Well, the dad fought back to the beach with the seven-year-old boy, and by the time he got back to the beach, he was just exhausted. He knew that he couldn't find his daughter without help. So he, he ran to a lifeguard station, told them what was going on. They launched a boat, put out to, to sea in, in their rowboat, and the lifeguards searched for the little girl for an hour. And finally saw a little body floating on top of the, the waves. Fearing the worst, they rowed over to her. And she looked at them with a smile. They pulled her into the boat, and they said, weren't you afraid? She said, no, my daddy told me to float on my back and he'd come for me. I trust my daddy and I know he would never lie. You know, folks, sometimes all you can do is float on your back and wait for the father. It's the best thing you could ever do. Don't ever lose faith in him. It's always too soon to give up trusting in your heavenly father. He loves you and he will never lie. And that's what gives us confidence to face the things that threaten us in this new year. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. With his nation having just entered World War II, King George VI of England spoke these words to the British Empire on Christmas Day of 1939. He was quoting another author who said, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. Isn't that what we all want? We want a light to see what's ahead. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than a light and safer than a known way. Even so, how can we do any better at the gate of this new year than to say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. My times are in your hands. Let's pray. Father, it is with these reminders today of your great faithfulness to us that we celebrate the beginning of a new year. Thankful, perhaps, that the old year is gone and hopeful that the year ahead is going to be a better year for us, but knowing full well that the new year will hold plenty of challenges of its own. And when it does, Lord, I pray that you would bring us back to this beautiful psalm and remember that our times are in your hands and we will never be safer than we are, we are fully committed to you 
to wait on you, to trust in you, to place ourselves in your loving hands. And so, Lord, it's in celebration of your faithfulness today that we acknowledge that you are so good to us. And we want to celebrate that together uh, through some sharing of testimonies. We ask your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name, amen.